Yo, check us out. Chuck D, public enemy. Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DLC, the Diggy Diggy motherfucking God. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy, Z-Man. What up, dog? This is Esha. This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. It's your boy, DJ Paul, KOL for 36 Young Busy Bone. Vice Warp. This your man, Matt, mine, the hell razor. Yo, this is DJ Ready Red. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross, and you listen to me on the Murder Master Music Show. Yeah. 
Yeah. You have no you have nowhere to go. You know what I'm saying? You shouldn't be, you know, if you got some unnecessary running around to do, you can take that time and put that in your instrument. Polish your craft, upgrade your chops. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um yeah. and a lot of people know you for um uh, you know what I'm saying, the four uh two short projects. You know, Shorty the Pimp, Getting Where You Fit In, Cocktails and Getting It. Mm-hmm. To me those are his four best right. projects well, man. That that was the essence of dangerous music at its finest. Um yeah, we're gonna talk yeah, about right. that, you know what I'm saying? But before we do, I wanna let people uh, know that aside from that, you've done so much other things as well over the course of your career. Um, you've done stuff with cats like T.I., for example. Um, mm-hmm. I did uh, Urban Legend it? and the King album. Yeah, Urban uh-huh. Legend and the King album. Um, I did man, what about, was it like working with him? Urban Legend. Huh? What was it like working with What was it like working with T.I.? Man, it was like, uh, just like, you know, um, it was, it wasn't no, like, you know, big over the top atmosphere or anything. It was just like, you know, us respecting each other for what we do. You know, he know I do what I do and he's doing what we do, what he does and we come together and start uh 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 you know, just hanging out in the studio. He was a uh, uh he's a pretty hard worker, you know what I'm saying? He likes to come in ready to go. When he comes in he's ready to go. So I'll give T.I. that. And uh, uh, we kind of fell out later over a little bit of publishing. But right now, everything is cool. We cool. Everything has worked out. So uh, it was good working with T.I. Man, the Urban Legend album was really fun. Yeah, it was a, that was, those were some good times right there. Yeah. Yeah. As, you know, he, he, that record uh, was a, a huge record, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, and again, you know what I'm saying, the, the King... That was, um, you know what I'm saying, at that time, very, very controversial. Matter of fact, he got into it with Little Flip at that time. Um, right. You know, right. what was the atmosphere like, though, uh, during that whole time, like, recording it, man? Was was that on his mind, or, or was he, like you said, just all business? Well, no, not really, because we, we was in Atlanta, so, you know, and plus, at the time, uh, he, he, had, he was on house arrest. He was keeping it 100 at the time. So he, you know, he had to be in, he had to check in. I think it was like uh, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. He had to be in every night at 9 o'clock. So we would spend the whole day uh, recording. And uh, I had an interesting situation over at at the studio one time. I remember the Neptunes came through, Pharrell and uh, Chad, right? So they were recording, and uh, a storm came. And and, uh, Pharrell was halfway through. Well, a little bit more than halfway through his song, and the power went out, and they lost everything. Pharrell, when the power came back on about 30 minutes later, Pharrell made that whole song from scratch, and it sounded just like he never lost anything. He remembered every little intricate thing about his song, and that that, that was real, uh, uh, that was inspiring to me because I take music that serious when when I'm writing it. You know, producing, but it was good to see him do that. But it was inspiring, actually, to see him do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you were in great company on that album too. Well, uh, like you said, the Neptunes. You had um, had DJ Toomp. Um, you know what yeah, I'm saying? He's, he's good friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. As well, Poison Clan, all that. Um, 
You know what I'm saying? They uh, who did the Ti himself reach out to you? Like, how did you know him? How did I meet Ti, man? Uh, boom, 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 boom. Let me see. Uh, how did I? I can't remember exactly. I, I think. I think it might have been through Jazzy Faith, and if I'm not mistaken, and uh, I can't. Re- that's a good question. I can't remember how exactly the day or where that I met Ti, but I think it was at a Patchwork Studio downtown Atlanta. I was in the studio doing a song with a for uh, with a Jazzy Faith uh, with a guy named uh, Blue Da Vinci. And uh, I think I met T.I. and Young Jeezy that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know, legendary stuff right there. That, and this, like we were saying, this is years after, you know what I'm saying, you already obtained many plaques um, for doing different things in the game. Um, but uh, we, you know, we'll get to that uh, um, in a minute. What about uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony? You worked, I, I believe, uh, was it Thug World Order? What I did. I can't with? remember the name of the song. I think me and uh, Rico Wade did a song uh, for them. I can't remember the name of the song. I think that might be it. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I did. We, I definitely have a song uh, with them to my credit. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's it, what the, I, I want people but, but, to understand there's so much you've done, you know? Oh, yes, definitely, man. It's like uh, I'll be uh, having, you know, conversations with a lot of my old peers, and they be bringing up sessions. Like I did a, I did a three-day session with Deion Sanders, believe it or not, uh, and uh, he was that's when he was trying to rap. That's when he was prime time, man. And we spent three days in the studio, and Hammer came in, and uh uh, 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 sang a part that I wrote and everything. It was, it was fun, man. I, I forgot, totally forgot about that. So ha- Hammer came in and, and he was featured on Deion Sanders' project. On Deion Sanders, yeah, he sang the hook. I think a song one I did. I think uh, I did. Uh, how many songs did I do? I think two songs, two or three songs. When I did a song called Black Lady. Uh, that's when he had a single. I don't know if you remember the single Deion had, Sanders had out, uh, Must Be the Money, something like that. He had a single yeah. out. He, you know, didn't didn't do much of anything, but that was around that time. Yeah, he came in yeah. with his wife, and uh, we was at, we was using a Dallas Austin studio downtown Atlanta, and uh, me and Deion Sanders in the studio over three days. <laughs> believe it or not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, right around that same time, or maybe a couple years after, um, Roy Jones Jr. put out the uh, project Bodyhead Bangers, where he was. Oh yeah, rapping. Bodyhead. And I and yeah. actually, they had contacted me. I was in contact with Bodyhead for a while. We just couldn't get together and make it happen. But they had contacted me about uh, a beat or two, and I think I talked to Roy maybe two times. I think it was. And uh, but it never it never materialized. But they they had definitely reached out to me. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. But what was it like to uh, um, working with Deion Sanders? Was he a natural like gifted rapper? We know he's a great athlete, but like did, well, did he need... uh, nah, you know, <laughs> he, you know, Deion Deion was so spicy back then. You know, that was prime time. You know, he he was you know he coming in he coming in looking like Mister T. You know, when he comes yeah. through there yeah, at that time, 
you know what I'm saying? He's jewelry everywhere. You know, he was hyped, and, you know, at the time, he was prime time, so, you know, he pretty much believed he could do anything because everything he believed in, he did, except that rapping. It didn't, it didn't work out. He wasn't really a good he wasn't really a good rapper, but uh, you know, nothing beats a fade but a try. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, mm-hmm. um that see that that's just a testament though to uh the the the, the caliber and level of cal- people you've worked with over the years, you know. Um I mean you got sports icons and, and Hall of Famers hitting you up and, and stuff like that. Um yeah. But you started off, you know, um, now you started in the Bay, right, with Digital Underground? Yeah, I started with Digital Underground. We did a, I did a song uh, called, I produced, wrote, and rapped on a song uh, called Sons of the P. And the whole song is about George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic. The whole, all the lyrics of the song are titles of the song that Parliament did and band members. And if you listen, it's called Tales of the Funky, man. And I don't want to say this because, you know, I don't mean any no harm. I think that song would probably take off in, with Joe when, you know, if, if I outlive him and within his demise, you know what I'm saying? If he, you know, I think people would actually understand the song. It would get more attention. And I think they understand it. Uh, it's, a, it's a real clever song. I like that. And uh, as soon as, as um, Shock G heard it, he said, I got to have this song. And he took some song off the album. And uh, uh, put that, and we went in and recorded uh, Tales of the Funky, which is the song I did. And uh, we put it on that album called, uh, it, came, it comes on, uh, I think the single on the album was Kiss Me and I Kiss You Back at that time then. And he put the song on the album, and I got to have this song, got to have it. And he put it on the album called Tales of the Funky, written, wrote, and produced by Shorty B. I got Humpy Hump on the song, Shock G, which is both, you know. But uh, yeah, it was a nice song. If you get a chance, Scott, I want you to check it out. I don't even think you probably heard this one. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Um, now, Shock G, um, hell of a character, man. I love the guy, man. When I interviewed him one time, he uh, – all of a sudden, he's like, you want Humpty Hump's take on this? And he, he's just like, all right, hold on, I'll get him. And he starts talking like him. Did he ever break out and do that in the studio, just fucking around? Man, let me tell you, I learned so much from Shock G as far as the rap game was concerned. You know what I'm saying? And not as far as writing songs and creating music. That, that was just part of my DNA. But just the, I learned the game from Shock G, man. It's like uh, Shock G, man, he was getting checks for... From uh, uh, for uh, Dodio, do, 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 uh, he was getting checks at five different like Greg, Jacob, Shock G, Humpty Hump, uh, <laughs> and man, Shock G was a genius man. He had he was like the young George Clinton. And I, I remember one time he was in the studio. I said, "Hey man, uh, George Clinton, I just got a call from uh, uh, Mike Hampton I, and uh, George Clinton, and they told me that they." Uh, they playing in San Francisco tonight and want me to come through. And when I said that, shock eyes lit up. He's like, oh, man, oh, man, you got to introduce me to George Clinton. Man, please, George, we got to. I said, well, you know, I'm going over there tonight. I'm going to play with him. You just come on. So that's what he did. He followed me uh, to the venue and met George in the, ho- in the hotel room. I introduced Shock G to George Clinton. They've been friends ever since to this day from that from that very moment on. i never forget it. Yeah. And uh, we recorded uh, the tales of the funky. Yeah. 
Man, that's legendary. You know, you played a pivotal part in in connecting two iconic uh, uh, artists. Uh, yeah. Have you have yeah. you uh, yeah. worked with George Clinton since? Uh, I haven't seen George, man, in uh, about uh, two and a half years. But uh, uh, anytime uh, I'm in, I'm in wherever they're and they playing live, I can just walk in and walk on stage. Like you know, they. And so I'm, I'm always welcome. I remember playing with Funkadelic at uh, it's a college, uh, Emory. I think it's Emory College in in Atlanta, and got a yeah. standing ovation. First mm. standing ovation I ever got, and it blew my mind. Man. George Clare pushed me out front, and I soloed, and I soloed for about maybe a minute, minute and a half, and I stopped. And George broke the band down and pushed me back out there. And told him to give him another dose, and I let him have it too. I was playing the guitar at that time. Yeah, man. yeah, I never forget well, it. I, I, yeah, I got a standing ovation. Yeah. That's that's huge because he's such an icon. When you listen to songs like Maggot Brain," that was all guitar. You know, man, and that was man, like look, man, '71. I met, I met Michael Hampton, Kid Funkadelic, when I was 15 years old. I had the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland. I, uh, my homeboy used to work at the Capitol Center uh, and uh, as a roadie and clean up behind the bands, right? So he said, man, Funkadelic is playing tonight, man. If you want to go, you got to go to work with me. You just got to stay, you know what I'm saying? So you're already being, I can take you to work. And that's what I did. I hung out work. And uh, I saw the band, uh, hung around for a few hours, and I saw the band coming down the uh, walkway in the Capitol Center. And Michael Hampton uh, walked past me. I said, man, is that a left-handed strat? Is that a left-handed neck on that strat? And uh, he said, yeah, you want to see it? And that was 1975. Me and him been friends ever since then. I just talked to Mike about three days ago. We've been friends ever since then. From that very day, I'll never forget it. And Eddie Hazel uh, is like my uncle. He used to sit down and literally teach me how to play the guitar. Wow. So you, I mean, you Eddie literally was, from some of the best. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I did, actually, you know what I'm saying? Eddie Hazel would, uh, me and him used to fish all the time, man. We'd go fishing and play guitar, and that's what we did. I mean, about seven years in a row that we just fished and played the guitar and, you know, just stayed close. He's like, it's my big homie. So, Eddie Hazel, God bless. I miss you, big dog. Yeah, absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, when you were with uh, Digital Underground, you got to see uh, a young Tupac come into the picture um that's, that's man, what, that's what, was, what was like man and, and what was your relationship like with Pac well it's like uh I'm always like uh, Pac always looked at me as like his aunt because he always called me aunt even back then you know what I'm saying when, when I because I'm I was I'm 10 years older than Pac so I was always his big homie you know what I'm saying I remember uh 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 don't get me wrong but I remember uh we used to put in that with pizzas and stuff together just so we know we could eat. That's how far back we go. You know what I'm saying? But uh, uh um I remember I will tell you so I remember I went to Death Row one time. I called Pac. I say uh, I was flew from Atlanta. I say Pac say uh uh call me, you know, when you get here. So I called him the, uh that evening and he gave me the directions to Death Row. But I had Max Julian with me, which is actually like my uncle. You ever seen the movie called The Max? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, I had, was, uh, yeah, I had my uncle with me. I had, with me. I had uh, Max Julian. Yeah, I had Max Julian with me, right? That's like my uncle, man. He's been my uncle like that for years. 
So I walk in the death row, they pat it down. So when I walk in, my uncle walk in behind me, about five steps behind me. So, you know, you walk in death row, the guards, they pat you down. You take two steps and two more guards pat you down. You It's real, it's like real tight over there at uh, death row. So when my uncle walked in behind me, the, the whole protocol death row stopped, man. They looked at my uncle, they, oh, man, sure came out, man. Uh, shook his hand and took him back in the office. Oh man, they they was loving him. It was crazy, man. So I walk in the studio, and Tupac is in the studio sitting at the board, right? He got these big speakers. I asked, where you get these speakers from? He says, these Snoop speakers. He let me use them. Uh, and so the engineer is sitting there, uh, uh, running the, the studio, right? So I come in there and uh, uh sitting next to Tupac, and I had I had bought him a bottle of champagne. A bottle of crystal, and I gave it to him. So we sitting there talking, a little man Pocky hugged me. Yeah, oh, what's up? Oh, oh. So we sitting there. So about five minutes, aunt, my aunt, uh, Mac Julian, walked in the studio behind me. Tupac looked up and saw my uncle. He just jumped up out of his chair. He said, oh, my God. Do you know who that is? Nigga, that's black Jesus. <laughs> He was so excited to meet Max Julian, man. I and it just, it just, I never forgot that. He was, just, it just blew my mind. They were both excited to meet each other, so I put that together. I just wanted that. I never told that story, but that, that definitely happened. It was funny, man. That's legendary. That and that happened at the offices at Death Row, nonetheless. Uh, everybody yeah, had to be Can Am Studios. Yep, Can Am Studios. Yep. But look, I come back the next day, right? And the same engineer, man, let me just have, this is all real. I never told these stories before. I come back to death row the next day. I'm talking to the same engineer. When I look at him, he got a big black eye, man. I mean, his eye is puffed up. I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm sitting at the counter. At the, I'm sitting at the control board. He's sitting next to me. I never look at him. I just hold my head down, bobbing like I'm listening to the music, right? And because uh, I'm waiting on Pop Pop. I ain't got there yet. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, what happened? He he don't look at me. He just say, man, I messed around and I taped over something that I shouldn't have. Had. And I knew that was a lie because he's too professional. You don't get to that position, especially at death row, and be somebody that taped over stuff. You know that you you know you're too professional for that. So I knew that that didn't happen. But uh, he told me uh, uh, somebody had punched him in the eye out there, man. I was like, man, okay, I won't be hanging out here too long. <laughs> You think you think it was but much I, by sugar or, or I, I, I don't know. I I, I kinda do know but I don't wanna say I'll tell you off record. But uh yeah, yeah, yeah but that's what happened. I can yeah, I can definitely say that that, that happened while I was there though. I'm like, man I'm like, man, you need to go to the doctor and they say, Man, they told me if I didn't come back to work the next day, it was gonna be all bad and I knew you know, I knew how death row was operating at the time, so they they were definitely operating on threats and ass whoopers. Up there, yeah. so, uh, uh, but I told him, I said, man, you need to see a doctor, man. You know what I'm saying? He's like, man, yeah, because that's when you stuff pretty swollen. And you really, you know, you don't want to lose your eye, your sight, man. Go see a doctor, man. You know what I'm saying? But I know, you know, I wanted to try to give him good advice, but I knew he was in the belly of the beast. And wasn't really nothing I could do for him. You know what I'm saying? To show him that I did care and I was concerned because I was, and I did, but there was nothing I could do for him. Sugar ran a real tight ship over there. It sounds like he yeah, uh, death row record. It, it was real over at death row, man. I only spent eight days over there. I, I stayed out there for a week, and I came over there every 
every day, you know, hanging out with Pop. And uh, I one more story about Death Row. The whole time, this the same day, the same day I was there. It was, it was the second day, the second day I there. Now I'm at Death Row, right? So when I walk in, I'm kicking it with Pop. It's a bunch of bloods in the back of the studio, about mm, 13, 14 of them, right? And back in the corner. I walk in, my nephew Castro, he playing the piano and, and Edie and uh, a couple of outlaws in there. Oh, what's up? They all hugging and stuff. So I walk in and uh, 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 I say, uh, we sitting there, you know, just chopping it up. Listening. He let me hear some a uh, lot of the, uh, the Death Row album that they're they putting out, right? So uh, uh, he uh, uh, so he say, uh, one of the guys came in and say, uh, Pop, Sure, say meet him somewhere. So Pac, uh, Pac said, "Hi, right, Shorty, I'm gonna bounce. I meet y'all at day. I think they was gonna perform. I think that was the night, uh, the House of Blues show. And I, I think it was. If I'm not mistaken, he said he was gonna meet me at the club. I think he said I see you at the club or something. So I said, "All right." He said, "But don't leave." Snoop called on his way. He told me to tell you, don't leave. And 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 uh, he wanted to see me and Malcolm Max, right? So man. We in the studio. All these bloods walk out behind Pac, right? Now, I'm sitting in the studio. About two minutes later, Snoop walk in, and all the guys with him, he got about 15, 20 guys with him. All them got blue and gray on. It just looked like these guys went out and changed clothes and came back with Snoop and left Pac. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 was, just, it was so crazy. I'm like, I'm looking at my uncle like, man, did you see that? Like he looked like the he, them gang members just went out and changed their clothes and came back in with Snoop, you know. But it was a whole different game, you know what I'm saying? But it was like it just it just changed. It's like I'm like, and this goes on every day up here. I'm like, how do they keep the peace, man? You know what I'm saying? But it, somehow they did. But it was it's crazy, man. How they, you know what I'm saying? I guess I don't know if they actually kept them separated, but they they kept the peace up there as far as the gang stuff. I was gonna say it sounded like they were separated, like like one crew had to leave before the other crew could come in, almost. Right, that, that, that's what I'm saying. That, that, I'm like, that's what I'm looking at my uncle. I'm like, man, uncle, man, did you see that? I'm like, man, that's crazy. How they do it? But it was like quick. It's all right, y'all gotta go. All right, Snoopin' will come in. Okay, blood gotta go. Gotta leave. They gotta relinquish. It's, it's crypt time or I don't know how they did it, man. But it blew my mind. But I was sitting, I was sitting right there. And I witnessed it, and it, it was like it was real uh, astonishing to actually see and wonder how they how did they do this every day. And you know these these gang members come, all these guys loped out, and you know they gang bangers. You know what I'm saying? Swole up, and all them got guns. You know what I'm saying? They, it's, it's real serious. Yeah, man, that's wild. That's wild, man. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, it yeah, yeah. How they they kept the peace, like you said. Before, uh, yeah, that's, they, that's just. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you the 24 hours I spent at Death Row. That shit happened. <laughs> I ain't even telling you about the other other days. You know, I'm just just letting you know. Yeah, that, that shit was real up there. That's just one day in the life. <laughs> one day in the life one of day, Death Row. My 24 hours. That was just a 24 hour story at Death Row. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. That's, yeah, man. That's that's wild, man. Um, mm-hmm. I was just thinking. I the other day, man. One of my favorite uh, two short albums was Cocktails, and um, I, lo- I always love the song "We Do This." Um, you know oh what right, saying? yeah, I did that. Father Dime and we right. were, 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 right. were you there for putting in that song? Yeah, I did that song. We did that. Uh, I was we was at uh, uh, Dark. We recorded that song at Dark. 
studio, Dallas Austin Recording Projects in Atlanta. It's a Dallas Austin studio. Yeah, I did that song. Let me tell you how that song. One day, I'm on my way to the studio, Dallas Austin Studio. Sure, it's already up there. Uh, I, I'm coming downtown, coming downtown to Peace Street, and it's a place by uh, right off uh, 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 Peace Street. Called the Rim Shop, where Eric Sermon and all the guys used to hang out downstairs and play beats in the right the Rim Shop. So I'm going coming past the Rim Shop and I turn the corner and it's Tupac in the gray in his gray uh, was 745. He had a new BMW, one of them weird ones, a 745 or something. And so I get out, I pull up. If I go recognize, I pull him, I pull in front of him. So I, I look in my mirror, I see Pac. He get out of his car and he walks to the trunk of his car. He opened the trunk of his car. And he pull out two bricks, <laughs> and wow. he throw it through the window. He throw it through the window of the rim shop. I guess because they they owed him money and they was you know procrastinating on his rim. So I, this is the honest to God truth, dog. This is and this is the day uh, uh, things changed that we did at uh, the studio. But before about thirty minutes before we got to the studio, I come around the corner. I see Pac. I like Pac. He like uh, I like what you doing. He's like hold up. And then he threw the bricks through the window, right? <laughs> So I say, man, I'm on my way over here to Dark. I'm about to meet Short. We doing doing Short album. We doing Short new album. I said, must you come on, man? We'll follow me over there and give us the verse. And that's what he did. He came, followed me right over to the studio. Walked him in there. Pac heard the beat. We Short all this in the studio. Pac was stand up against the wall, and uh, he wrote his rhyme standing up with no paper and everything. And he took about mm, 17 minutes to write his rhyme. He went in there and he did uh, a single fucker with my diamond. Ain't no fear in my heart. And he, uh, remember, uh, uh, geez, baby, uh, I can't remember all the words, but he did that right. He did that rhyme and wrote it right there, man. In 17 minutes, his his, every, his his part was done. Everything recorded, everything, having this and everything. 17 minutes. Uh, that guy was no uh, no joke, man. No playing around. Um, yeah, that's wild, man. Uh, None of these stories have ever been told, man. And I take a lot of take for each and every word. No, that's dope. That's dope to hear, man. Um, you know, our, our listeners love to hear stuff about Tupac, Easy E. You know, what I'm saying all, all the greats like that are no longer here. Um, but uh, I just interviewed Chris Hicks the other day, C and H, and um, C and H, man, yeah, man. You know, uh, his his uncle is actually is the reason Shorty B uh, became Shorty B. Man, I, the first time I come to Oakland, I just got off the bus from D.C., Washington, D.C. Uh, I'm walking up the street from the bus station. I'm past the guitar center. I look in. I see the guitar. So I back up. I walk in the guitar center. And uh, I put my bags up against the wall. I asked the guy, can I play a guitar? He said, yeah, pick anything you want. I picked a Stratocaster and a stack of Marshalls. Man, I'm in there killing, right? I'm just in there killing. So I looked up, and I see these two black guys. You know, it's a lot of guys standing around me, white, black, all kind of international. They're just standing watching me play. But I recognize these two black guys, and I've never been. I'm in Oakland, California. I just got there. I ain't been to Oakland. I ain't been off the bus 15 minutes. I don't know anybody. And, uh, but... Three days before, four days before that, I was at, I was, before I left D.C., before I left D.C., I was at RFK with my homeboy, Tino, who's a guitar player with EU. They made Doing the Butt. They had a big concert at RFK, and I hung out with them. And I was on stage, and uh, Mays, Frankie Beverly and Mays came on. And the drum machine they was using kept malfunctioning, so they kept 
they kept uh, having to start this song over called Starlight, I think it was. So just to make a long story short, I get off the plane, I get off the bus in Oakland. I'm in the guitar center, so I'm playing. So when I finish playing, one of the guys walk up to me. He said, hey, man, you playing the guitar like that with no effects and doing all that? I say, uh, yeah, 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 I guess I am. Just me and it, just, hey, the guitar and the, uh, the Marshall. He said, man, hey, man, you sound good, man. I want to introduce you to somebody. So I say, really? So I'm looking at this guy like, why do you look familiar to me? So uh, he takes me to the back of Pro Audio, and the other guy he introduced me to, he looked familiar too. I'm like, this is crazy. I ain't been off the bus 20 minutes. So, so Scott, I'm, I'm talking to the dude. Come to find out, he said, hey, man, my name is Billy Johnson, and this is Rob Duke. I'm the drummer and the bass player with Frankie Beverly and Mays. I was just standing on the stage with these guys four days ago in D.C. It's crazy. So just then, the guy in the, in the guitar center walked up to me, tapped me on the shoulder while I'm talking to these guys. He said, hey, man, he said, uh, uh, he said, hey, man, my boss told me to ask you, uh, man, do you know how to uh, fix it or repair guitars? I said, yeah, I can put a guitar together with my eyes closed. He said, well, in that case, he told me to offer you a job. Would you like a job? Just like that. I swear to God, this ain't number down to God's proof. I'm standing there. Now, the bass player and the drummer standing right next to me. So I say, look, man, I pointed to my bags at the door. I said, see my bags over there at the door? I said, man, I just got off the Greyhound bus. I don't know anything. I don't know where I'm staying. I, I just saw these guitars. I had to come in and play. And and I'm tripping on these guys that standing next to me because I was just standing next to them four days ago. And when I told them that, they like, oh, man, I said, yeah, man, because the drum machine kept messing up. And then they knew that, that I knew what I was talking about, right? So then uh, – he had me an application. I said, man, I, I, I don't I, I don't even know where I'm at. I don't know. I have no, I have no idea where I'm going to stay. I said, I looked at the bass player. I said, can you, you wouldn't happen to know a place I can stay or something for the night. You know, I got a little money when I'm cool. It's, you know, someplace I can hang out. I can, you know, for about a month or so until I find me a place. He said, man, uh, that's your stuff right there. The bass player, Robin Dewey, he looked at me and said, that's your stuff right there. I said, yeah. He said, man, uh, you can stay at my house. He grabbed it. He said, uh, fill out what you can on the application, and I'll fill out the rest. You get you put my phone number on it, and you get your stuff right with me. I ain't been off the bus 15 minutes, Scott. I got a job, and the bass player from Frankie Beverly is taking me to his house. This is Chris Hicks' uncle. Wow. I know, but I don't know Chris Hicks. I don't know Chris Hicks yet. I don't know Chris yet. So I go I go up to Robin Dew house. He got a Porsche, a lavish house, Mustangs, all about four or five little lavish cars. Guess what he tell me? He said, man, once you go downstairs and pick up one of them cars, whatever one you want to drive, and I'm going to draw you a map to the guitar center, you're going to jump in the car, follow me back to the guitar center, and then we're going to drive back so you know how to get to work and back. Just like that. Now I got a job, a car, and a, 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 a place to stay, and I ain't been to Oakland 30 minutes now. You feel what I'm saying? I couldn't believe it, man. God works it. God is amazing. I have to tell my story with you. You know what I'm saying? So, so I, I, I uh, that was on a Friday, Monday. Guitar center call. I'm working at the guitar center, and I meet, I meet NC Hammer. I meet Tony, Tony, Tony. I meet uh, 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 Dwayne Marshall. I meet a guy named Alex Skolnick. He plays in a group called Testament, and he's like a guitar god now. Alex Skolnick. And he was a real good friend of mine, man. We used to play in the guitar room together and jam all like for hours at the guitar center. I never forget him. And he got a he's he's real large. They like Metallica or something. I think this group name is Testament. 
and you can check them out, man. He's like a guitar guy, Alex Gardner. He was an old friend of mine. I haven't seen him in years. We were almost, you know, a little bit more than teenagers back then. But he was a real good friend of mine. But i never forget it, man. I just wanted to tell that story to you, Scott. No, that's amazing right there because, uh, I mean, what are the chances? One day you don't have a place to stay. The next day you're pretty hey. much in the circle. <laughs> you yeah, know? straight. And then the next day, I go to work. When I go to work, I mean, two days later, I go, I go to work uh, Monday, and I meet a girl who comes in, and and and, and the rest is history, man. Like, man, God, God provided me everything I needed, man, within 24 hours, a job, a place to stay, a car. Wow. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, and somebody to jam with. Because I would come home and rob and do it. He got a big old studio in his house. We sit there and make music and Hell, man, it was it was amazing, man. My, and then uh, and how I come up with Shorty B, and then after I, after I got the job, I ended up moving to East Oakland, and that's when I used to listen to a lot of heavy D R, uh, uh, Rockem and uh, Eric B, and you know everybody had alphabets at that then, and then they run DMC, Cool Mo D, uh, LL Cool J. So I was already I was always Shorty. He used to always call me Shorty. My name is Stewart. He used to call me Shorty Stewart. Well, I mean, that ain't cool enough. I needed something to go behind Shorty, so I went through the alphabets A, B, C, D, E, and B sounded the best, Shorty B, and that day, Shorty B was born. <laughs> wow. And here we are, man, all these years later, still rocking. <laughs> Multi-platinum, 25 uh, platinums later, uh, uh, seven uh, uh, gold records, uh, 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 seven soundtracks, and three diamonds <laughs> later. Man, that's, that's what I'm about, man, right there. For those of you who don't know, uh, diamonds are, uh, that's what's what, 10 million? 10 million sellers are best, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah I got three of those, yeah. Uh-huh. I got uh, uh, one with uh, Tupac and two with TLC. All right, let me throw, let me Did, throw uh, you a loop. Let me throw you a, a okay. wild one out there. Uh, man, being a hell of a guitar player, um, you probably would like the bass player of this group more, but man, what do you think about Billy Gibbons? Billy Gibbons, Billy Gibbons, the beast, man. I saw Billy Gibbons with Steve Vai when they was uh, playing with David Lee Roth. I'm like, I'm in the front row. I'm bad, man. You know, I was like, man, it was like, uh, oh man, they was just, man, they, they was, it was incredible when they was with David Lee Roth. That show was amazing, man. They did the guitar twin solos on their stomach. Playing the guitar like a keyboard when in synchronized solos, man, he blew my mind. Though Billy Gibbons is a beast. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. saw their documentary, um, you know, and he said that uh, when he was only seventeen, he was in another band and he toured a little bit with Jimi Hendrix. And um, mm. the, re- the reporter asked uh, Jimi Hendrix who his favorite guitar player is, and he says this guy's one of them. So uh, to get that kind of nod from Jimi Hendrix, you know you got to be good, you know. Listen to this, guy. Listen to this. I'm in Atlanta, right? Me and uh, yeah. uh, Two Short are about to fly to L.A. My homeboy, he's uh, uh used to play. He's the lead singer of this group called Highland Place Monsters, a group that Dallas Austin had back in the day, right? But his father's name is Gorgeous George. He makes all the clothes for, like, Osley Brothers, Michael Jack, Lola Falana, uh, 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 man, what's, what's my man name? Uh, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the big time, uh, like some Sammy Davis. He's making their clothes, right? So he got a, he got this big, 
he got this good uh, Stratocaster in his office where he make his clothes at, and he's had it for years. And I say, oh man, where you get that guitar? He said, man, Jimi Hendrix gave me that guitar. He said, man, uh, I took Jimi Hendrix to meet uh, Little Richard, and uh, I put him in Little Richard band. And I know that uh, Gorgeous, they call him Gorgeous George, and I know he don't tell no lies because his track record is impeccable. So I know all his stories are authentic. So listen to this, Scott. I had I have I've had an amazing light though. But listen to this. I uh that that that, that night we me and Tushio get on the plane, catch the red eye to uh LA. I go we stay on a Hollywood right on uh, Sunset Boulevard right next to the comedy store, right? And uh uh I come out my room, I kid you not as God is my witness. When I come out my room, the room opened the door across the hall from mine, opened the door, guess who it was? Little yeah. Richie. I like, wow. oh my God! I say, man, excuse me, man. I don't mean to start you, man. I I was just having a conversation last night with a good friend of yours named Gorgeous George. When I said that, I knew he knew what I was talking about. I say, man, he he was telling me the story about how he bought you Jimi Hendrix. I'm talking to Little Richard. He said, yep, he sure did. He said, yeah, he bought me Jimi. And, and, and I, I just got one with uh, this man 24 hours ago in Atlanta. I didn't know I had no idea I was gonna run into old Little Richard. Just talking about him. And he confirmed the whole story that uh, uh, my my homeboy father had bought him Jimmy uh, Jimmy Hendrix, Little Richie, and, and he gave me three Bibles. I never forget that we were standing at the the, hot, the Sunset Inn on Hollywood and Vine. Uh, I think it was Hollywood and Sunset. I mean, yeah, yeah, man. I never forget that. I, I just had to tell you that story. That was life of a musician, I suppose. When I go downstairs, I meet David Carradine from Kung Fu, and uh, uh, he smoked a joint with me. <laughs> Smoke the joint with David Carradine. Get the fuck out of here. That was wild. David Carradine, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He smoked the joint with me. And I was at the the park one day. Look, I was at the park in San Francisco one day smoking a joint just by myself at the park. And some guy said, man, that show smelled good. When I look back, it was Robin Williams, man, with his son, man, and me and him smoked that joint together. I was sitting on the park in San Francisco, shook hands, gave each other some dab love. I introduced myself. I already knew who he was, and that was it. Robin Williams, man. I smoked the joint with Robin Williams. That's wild. And both of those at guys, a donut, man. Look, at a donut shop, look, at a donut shop one morning, I, I, I go into a donut shop in North Oakland. I come out to the donut shop, and uh, I got a... Uh, 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 some uh, 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 weed in my pocket, right? And when I get out, when I come out of this uh, donut shop, Danny Glover pulls up. It's about 8 o'clock in the morning. And he come to get some donuts. And he said, man, breakfast sure smelled good this morning. And I didn't catch it. I didn't know he was talking about me. He smelled the weed I had. So when I came back in to get my donuts, he said, yeah, man, you must be, you must got that breakfast I was smelling this morning. Then I realized he was talking to me, and I gave him a fat-ass joint of weed, uh, Danny Glover, <laughs> coming out the donut shop in North Oakland, 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> wow. Man, Ain't that's, that something? That's, that's wild, man. That's that's insane. <laughs> you know, hell yeah. of a life, man. Yeah. Um but um, man, eventually, you know what I'm saying. Um, you know, you hook up with Short. Uh, what was it for, for the Shorty the Pimp, right? Or were you there yeah. for Short Dogs in the House? No, that's just that's, after that. Just when I met Short Dog, there yeah, they were still playing the Ghetto on as a single on the Short Dog in the House album, and that's when I met Short. I uh, uh, I met Short through a friend on a Sunday, and. Uh, I, I can tell you that story. I got tons of stories, man. I just don't want to bore you with it. 
But uh, yeah, yeah, that, uh, I came in right after that because he was uh, actually working with a guy named Al Eden, and uh, he was, you know, he used to play guitar and bass. And so I think you you probably remember Al Eden, but he did the ghetto, and I came in after that, and basically, basically everything else is history. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, the uh, lineup, you know, um, you know, with, with uh, I think it was you. What Pooh Man, Masani, Banks? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys were just Bob dropping the straight uh, funk. You brought funk to the rap game, man. That, that that those series of albums, to me, I mean, of course, obviously, Digital Underground, you guys did too. But the funk that that's contained in those albums, man, is just unbelievable. Um, it's timeless. Thank you, thank you, know? thank you. I, and. I be getting texts, man, from countries I can't even pronounce that people be telling me the same thing. I'm like, man, this is wow, like, man. It's, you know, it makes you feel good, you know what I'm saying, because, you know, it's like I, I, I never did it for money. I just, you know, I've been born playing, you know, I was born with a guitar in my hand. By the time I was seven, I kept one in my hand. So, you know, I never, it wasn't really about the money. It was just, you know, uh, just becoming the best player that I could be. And it, yeah. you know, it took me a few yeah. places, put a few meals on the table. You know what I'm saying? But uh, 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 I'm, a, uh, I'm I'm definitely more than grateful, you know. I'm definitely happy because that's all I wanted to do was just show somebody that, you know, I could play. You know what I'm saying? And then I started meeting other guys that could play. You know what I'm saying? And it's like it, I just, just wanted to share it with somebody, you know. Just want to say, hey, look I, at me. I, you know, I can do this. <laughs> I always direct people to the, uh, the 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 guitar track. Don't try this at home because that <laughs> shit is amazing. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I was I didn't get into rock until later, but that was part of the right. reason why. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, it was just so hard. You know, um, I don't know. Man. And to be like kept off that album perfectly. I mean, what a way to end it. You know, um, but. Uh, Right at that time, though, though I, I was just talking to uh, Chris. You know, uh, he was telling me about the Summer Jam. Were you there for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we played live. Yeah, we played live at Summer Jam. Flavor Flavor yeah. almost broke my hand. He almost stepped on my hand at that show. I'm going to never forget that. Yeah, yeah. Summer Jam, yeah. Definitely there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was telling me that, that that whole thing was about, the, I guess, the Looney's Play Haters song. And, um, right. Sh- Wanted to clear the air with him, or whatever, uh, and it ended up where he got he got uh, hit by somebody. Um, yeah, yeah. Are you cool with Chris to this day? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Being, Chris, me and Chris ain't never. Yeah, Chris been me and Chris been cool from day one. And uh, 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 I tell you a story, and and uh, uh, Chris, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I I'm the person who who named Drew Drew down. We was in the studio on Myrtle Street, and Chris came through with Drew down, and they was they was gonna call, and they was trying to come up with a name, and the name they came up with Drewski. I said Drewski, and this is <laughs> verbatim a conversation. I said Drewski. He like yeah. I'm like man, why don't you call him Drew down? They looked at me like cause they couldn't understand. They didn't know what I was talking. About. I said well, yeah, like he Drew down or somebody, man. Call him Drew down. They nah nah. They they wasn't feeling it. I swear to God, wasn't two weeks later. Uh, the homie was named Drew Down, and I never got I never got credit for none of that. But that happened. I'll take a lie detector for every word of that, every word I say. 
whenever you're ready. Yeah, well, that, that's interesting. If I ever get the chance to uh, interview Drew Don, I'm going to ask him where he got his name from, man. But I, I believe yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, I believe, uh, yeah, I yeah, him. yeah. He might tell me, oh, yeah, you might have forgot, nigga, but I came up with Drew Down. And they looked yeah. at me like I was crazy. Drew Down, what's Drew Down? I said, yeah, like he drew down somebody. They wasn't feeling it. And I two weeks later, they say, I know he drew, his name drew down. Because Drewski. Shorty B name. There would be no Drew Down if it wasn't for Shorty B. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, it it would have been Drewski or something, but it definitely wouldn't have been Drew Down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Chris, man. We just chopped it up with him. Um, but, uh, much now, love, uh, Chris, man. Chris, ain't, Chris always. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's my boy. Did you see the two Yeah, he just lost uh, his mom, too. Uh, he lost his mom last month, too, a month or two ago, too, didn't he? Yeah, I believe yeah, so, I hit him man. on Facebook. Yeah, I hit him on Facebook and told him how I beat the moms. And, you know, I, 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 I met his mom quite a few times, too, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, losing a parent, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a horrible thing to go through. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, um, too short. Uh, and E forty had that versus battle. I saw bits and pieces of it. Did you catch it? Yeah, I know. I saw about fifteen minutes of it, and uh, somebody said that he said my name, but I never. You know, a little bit I saw. I didn't. You know, I I think he did a few of my songs, and a lot of you know. Just, I guess he did more songs than I saw, because you know, so I looked at it for a little while, but you know. It's like, uh, yeah. And then yeah, I think when I cut it on, E-40 was dancing and shit. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> but it was kind of funny. But uh, it was good, you know what I'm saying, for the uh, for the Bay, man. I was really proud yeah. of that because, you know what I'm saying, it was like, you know, it was it was homage to the Bay. And, you know, my, myself, you know, I show homage to the Bay, although, even though I helped put it on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed that, Shorty B. A lot of people uh, from other areas help put different places on. Like, for example, Mr. Mix from California and um, oh, Kid I from New York helped put Two Live Crew on in Miami. You know? Uh, man, Mix is my homeboy, man. Mix is my boy, man. That's my yeah. dog, man. You ever you talk to Mix? Man, give Mix my number, it's man. It's been a while, man. I came up together. He's yeah, we came dude. up together. You give me my number, man. That's my homeboy, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. He, he, man, him on the ones and twos. Him and DJ Ready Red were my favorites. I love those guys. And Ready Red, that's my boy too, man. Yeah. Talented. He ready died. He ready. He ready died. Yeah, yeah. He died. Uh, he died in. He 17. died. Yeah, that's my boy, man. Yeah. Oh no, he died in eighteen. Fresh Kid Ice died in seventeen, and Bushwick Bill died in. Uh, 19, man. Yeah, we're losing man, a lot Bushwick of legends. Bill, I, look, in 95, I signed with Suave House for a year. I had the, uh, Tony Draper gave me $80,000 for a year. Never put me in the studio, not one time. I called 10 months later. I, you know, I hung out with him. He'd take me to Benny Hollis and You know what I'm saying? He's a good dude, but they didn't have no studio. And they had a, this, uh, their producer down there, but I really had much love and respect for was a uh, uh, T-Mix. Yeah, T-Mix and uh it's a homeboy Lawrence who's also a bass player. He was really nice. I, you know, and I got to give him a shout out in this article, Lawrence from uh, uh, 
uh, Suave out to uh, homeboy. He was nice on the base, man. And I, I don't know how, how how much recognition he has gotten in the rest of his career because I lost contact with him. He was really good. You, you really liked him. He's another one I need to talk to because, uh, like you said, uh, a lot of you guys don't get recognition for your yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence did all that eight ball and MJG, the, the yeah. uh, 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 South Circle, and the Tila. He playing all all that stuff. He was actually awesome. really nice bass player. Yeah, I think his name was Lawrence or something. I think it was. Yeah, yeah most definitely, really man. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we, we, up to uh, getting it, um, that was uh, was that the last thing you did was too short. Yeah, man, because you know it started right at that time. You know, I started realizing like um, I'm not really eating. I love short and I love what we do, but I, I'm not really getting to the money with short. That's why I had to start saying spreading the funk all around. Like you hear me everywhere from Outkast. To, you know what I'm saying, MC Breed, or, you know, whatever. I, you know, I started recording with everybody because I wasn't eating with the Dangerous Crew. I wasn't eating with Too Short. You know, it seems like the larger I got, the more difficult to get money with Short it, it started to become. So I realized that, okay, it don't look like no change coming to this. It's time to jump ship. So Snoop pulled me to the side, asked me to go on tour. Uh, with him, I think it was the uh, uh, the last meal tour something with Snoop, and I went on. I was a bass player for Snoop on that tour, and had a ball. Yeah, Snoop gave me forty thousand dollars, and uh, I remember being on tour. We was in like uh, I don't know Detroit, Idaho, or something somewhere. And Snoop came to my room. He said, "Shorty B," I said, "What's up, Snoop?" He said, "You know, shorting them downstairs." He said, "Ain't banking them down there at the bar." So I go downstairs, I got all this Snoop Dogg stuff on, you know what I'm saying? I say they like uh so Aunt Banks, you know, which is you know, Aunt Banks is my dog, you know, we all, you know, we all brothers, we dangerous crew for life. So I when Aunt Banks see me with all this Snoop Dogg on, we headlining. Snoop headlining. So they looking at me, they're like, Oh man, why you got a short dog jacket on? And I say, Man, go short dog don't pay like Snoop Dogg. <laughs> they got too clean of them got so mad at me that night, but I really got out that night. But we had a good show with uh, I was a bass player, Snoop for Snoop. Uh, did that whole tour. Uh, I back, I did it uh, for uh, another great bass player who I like. I like his tone and his chops. And they they called me him and Snoop called me. I think it's a, I think it's Cornelius Mims or Mims or something. And he did a lot of that based on Snoop's records. And called me and asked me could I fill in for him because he had to do a tour with somebody else. And that's how I got the gig with Snoop Dogg. And, yeah, Snoop uh, gave me 40 racks, and uh, uh, I did the tour. I, I think we did about 12, 13 shows, but uh, it was nice when I had a ball. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you get paid, you know, what you're worth. Well, I, I never understood yeah, yeah, why I wanna... didn't get paid, you know, or... or, or you know, contributing musicians, engineers, whatever, didn't get paid their value. You know what I'm saying? You were behind a lot of hits. I, I, you, and, you know, that's sort of like um, why, you know, you know me by my hits, but you really don't know my face, you know, because, like, I fell out of love with the music game so long ago because people yeah. were so deceitful and, and greedy, and I knew it was going to end up with a problem with me, you know what I'm saying? So I just kind of 
and then after after dealing with short, you know what I'm saying, I fell out of love with it because you know what I'm saying, it's like man, you know, you know, I I mean, I, all I want to do is, you know, make music, man. You know what I'm saying, and and you know, let the chips fall where they may or where they're supposed to. But it wasn't happening, man. So it's like because the Dangerous Crew. Just to give you a small story behind the Dangerous Crew, don't try this at home album. That album was never really supposed to be. That was uh, they, that album was an excuse for Job Records to give Too Short some money. They gave because Short needed some money. They needed to come up with an excuse or some way to keep the hand in the or keep him in their pocket or somehow. So they said, right, "Give me a Dangerous Crew album." And so Short came to me like, "Man, I got to deal for the Dangerous Crew album." Shorty, be I need you to do Dangerous Crew album. That's why. I, I produced maybe about nine songs on that album. Um, you know, I'm all, I, I orchestrated that album. That's basically my album because I did it. You know, don't get me wrong. You know, everybody's involved, but I orchestrated. I, I, you know, I took the time out to put the songs together, record the songs. You know, so I made it. I made it happen because Short asked me to. But there was no, there was no, uh, there was no promotion behind that album. There was no budget, no money, no video, or nothing. I did a, a minute and a half commercial uh, uh, instrumental thing and was in the studio one day in Atlanta. And Eric Sermon and Tusha came by and they heard that song. I did a song in that album called Buy You Some. That's what Eric yeah. Sermon and Tusha are rapping on it. But that, that song happened by accident. It was actually a commercial for uh, uh, my solo album. I was actually on, working on an album called Shorty B and the MVPs. And uh, that was for the album, but when it's short, and Eric heard the track, they did a little rap on it, and I took it to Greg Street at, uh, in, down in Atlanta to the radio station, and he started playing the song every day at 5 o'clock every day, and it blew up. They, people was calling and calling for the song so much that uh, 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 Greg called me and said, Shorty B, you got to make the song longer, man. People want the song so much, it's just too short. It's too, you know, it was only a minute and a half. So if you listen to the song, you can hear why I added another uh, three minutes to the song. I came in with it, and it comes in with a bass, a live bass. The first minute of that song is only guitar, drum, and uh, me playing live drums and uh, acoustic guitar and uh, a little bass, keyboard bass under it on the first half. Then you hear live bass come in on the second half of the song. That's when I just went back in the studio, recorded that second half, and just spliced them together. And it turned out to be a multi-platinum song called Buy You Some with Eric Sermon and Too Short, which has actually got a video on that song, too, on the YouTube. But it's funny how that came together. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that album definitely, man, is a classic. Uh, and uh, it should have been uh, uh, promoted a lot better. Um, right. You know, and that was, that was not to interrupt you, but just to finish, that was my point. It was like, you know, Jive, uh, they wasn't expecting, they wasn't expecting that that album to, you know what I'm saying, go luminal for you. Where there was no budget about it, it was just an excuse. And all of a sudden, so uh, uh, the album went gold, and they're like, oh man, what to do? They, they, they didn't even press up but 500,000 copies. So you know what I'm saying that, that that believe it or not, the Dangerous Crew album would have easily it went gold in six months. You know what I'm saying? So I figured within a year we'd have got to pee off of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or maybe even sooner because there was nothing else to buy. There was people ordering, trying to get the album, but they didn't press anymore because they it was a, it was an uh, unexpected gym. They didn't expect it to do nothing. They wasn't putting nothing behind it. They didn't give a damn if it did nothing or, or not. And it did something. It went gold right up under their nose. They're like, man, we just dropped the ball, and they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't pick it back up again. So you know, it's like here we go again. 
can't eat. It's, you know, so I'm like, okay, I got to get out of here. I think, uh, um, you know, a- a- after all this COVID crap, if uh, if there was ever something like a dangerous crew tour, like with you, Banks, Pooman, uh, Spice, I mean, everybody, short, everybody, I think that would be highly successful. Uh, man, let me tell you something, man. I, I want the world to hear I me love- say this. I want the world to hear me say this, what I'm about to say, about responding to what you just said. I get calls all the time. Man, when it's doing the dangerous school, going to do another album. Why come y'all don't ever do that? The reason is too short. You, you, it's like nobody short is not, he's not loyal. And like basically, it would have to be almost them and me to try to put all these guys together because everybody still messes with me. But short, it has showed no loyalty to none of us. You know what I'm saying? None of us. And none of us can really have really eaten with short. So, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, I don't, it's like short developed some sort of like a, a hidden jealousy of behind the dangerous crew because we never flopped. Me, Pee Wee, and Ann Banks, we never flopped everything we did with platinum and gold. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, but I, it's just like, you, you, it short was like, uh, he was like, he was, in his own way, he was in our way because he, you know, we couldn't, you couldn't advance with him, and then he owned the name, so, you know what I'm saying? And like, sure, well, I mean, come on, man, we got the dangerous crew. Everything we did, but damn, they're going platinum. The world is asking for us. What would it take, man? They go direct. I'm like, look, man, I need a, you know, I need a half million dollars. I need to give uh, these guys a hundred thousand. You know what I'm saying? So we can go on and record a new album. They ain't got to worry about it. They can take care of the families. You know what I'm saying? So all we, you know, we just want a situation where all we have to worry about is just creating music. Everything else is taken care of. And sure, it's not the type of person. Like, he don't think like that. He don't think big. He don't, you know what I'm saying? Sure, don't you know that, man? We we come out with, a, you know, a good album, and we'll sell five million copies. It's on fanfare alone. People want to hear from us. They're asking all the time, why haven't y'all done another album? Where's the dangerous crew at? When y'all going to do another song? You know what I'm saying? They ask us all the time, but it's short. I don't know what it is with the with the homie. Is he crazy or what's really going on with the homie? I just never could figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, man, come on, man. Like, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, but all- yeah. short hasn't really been platinum since I left. And we, I left because it was about the money. I was just trying to get a hundred thousand for ten songs. I couldn't get it. Everything I'm doing for you is going multi-platinum. I can't get a hundred thousand. That was crazy. So I knew it was time to go. I didn't hold no animosity. I just knew it was time to go because I can't eat over here. And I never could figure out why you can't eat with too short. You just can't get no money with too short. You can't. Yeah, and, and, and I never understood why. I'm like. I tell Short, I say, Short, don't you know the bigger I get, the larger you look? I'm fine to you. And he seemed like he was getting jealous because I was getting bigger. So I don't know what it was. I'm just estimate guy, you know. I don't know, man. I couldn't understand it, you know. And I have got I have got long conversations with Ann Banks. And, you know, Banks say, man, I was just short, you know what I'm saying. I hung out with Short in L.A., you know what I'm saying. And I went to a few of his shows with him. And he said, man, about 75 80% of his shows are your songs. I said, yeah, I said, but, and then, but she, then he, the bank, bank said something real intelligent to me. He said, but sure don't realize he's still getting paid from your work. You don't get paid for them shows. He going out every day getting $10,000, $20,000 for your songs. 
that he perform on your songs, and you don't get a dime of that money. But you know these artists, they don't look at that. They don't look at it like they're so selfish and greedy. That and then the laws for uh, you know uh, publishing in areas are, are lacking for producers. You know what I'm saying? Because they made a lot of sense. I'm like, this man go out and make thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a week on my music. I don't get a dime of that money. Man, that, I'm that's wrong with this picture. That's what I'm saying, man. And then you, you, I can't get, I can't, so I can't get money with you, and I can't get money without you. <laughs> so it's just like you know, so it was really testing my faith, man. You know what I'm saying? And then you know, then you're dealing with people that you know, like you just just don't see the real picture and just refuse to, you know. It's it's kind of sad, man. I love this music, and it's you know something I've been doing all my life, but it's like the business side can make it take so much fun out of it. It, it really becomes ugly, man. But that that's what's happening with the dangerous crew. I'm like, sure, you can't raise some, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, come on. You know, we, we should be recording. All we want to do is be able to record and concentrate. Look, we didn't play together and recorded together in over five years. So, you know, we're going to need a month just to mesh. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But we grown, I said, but we grown folks now. We see, you know, we got bills at home and families to run. So, you know what I'm saying? Just come up with some paper so we can just do what needs to be done. And uh, Shaw got mad at me one time. I said, Shaw, let me tell you something, man. You're my dog, right? But if you would spend one-third of your time with a a briefcase in an office building talking to some millionaires as you do chasing these hoes, we all be millionaires. And he got mad because he knew the truth. The truth had struck him so hard. It hit him so hard. He damn near was in tears. But I say, real, Shaw, I say, man, if you would just, you know, we all be millionaires because, you know what I'm saying, it's like – you won't make no everything you're doing is like nothing. We're not getting no paper. None of us. We trying to, you know, we want to be rich too. You know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? It's like you, it's like I can't do it no more. So I was actually the end. Of the, I was the end of the dangerous crew. Uh, Eric Sermon that hooked too short up with a lawyer, and uh, they kept offering me a contract. I said, look, man, I will resign with you. Sure, give me a hundred thousand. Give me ten thousand a song. Let me get uh, let me get my uh, fifty or hundred up front. You give me fifty up front, and uh, I already got the songs done. So you know, I, he, he knew I'd have been right back for my other fifty within a week or two. Anyway, so I say, uh, you know, let me get a, uh, you know, I do ten songs. I mean, how can you deny me? Everything I'm doing is going multi platinum for you, dog. You just said it yourself. The last four albums are my albums. I did that. Banks, you know, Banks play a little bit, but Banks not a musician. I bought Pee Wee in with me. So you got to test that to me, too. Mm. So, you know what I'm saying? That, that Dangerous Crew sound, that's well, what Shorty B sound. That's my sound. Yeah. yeah. And when I took it away, it, it all was over. But I didn't take it away. Short chased me away because he refused to let me eat. And then I like, you know, I like, damn man, if I'm not, if I, if that's the only value you see in me, everything I'm doing for you is going platinum. And I'm bringing Tupac to the studio and everybody else you meeting guys that you never knew in your life that's live right in your own town. I'm bringing them to the studio, recording for free for me, not for you. Tupac doing this for me, his uncle, not Too Short the rapper. Tupac didn't give a damn about Too Short the rapper. He was doing that for his uncle Shorty B because I asked him. I brought him to the studio. Short, short ain't give him a dime and ain't offered to give him a dime. That was, uh, was uh, 
the song with MC Breed, right? What, what, what you were talking about yeah, with the yeah, things change. Yeah, things change. The name, yeah, things change. The song I produced on the uh, Cocktails album. Yeah, man, that's that's yeah. wild, man. Uh, I'm gonna yeah, bring on the. Uh, I do put some of this out because people, some people, you know, I got fans, but they they have a right to know some of this stuff, man. No, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're definitely gonna, uh, you know, uh, let them know it all, man. Because you know, the same thing happened with Fresh Kid Ice. I mean, uh, he told us uh, for. Um, what was it? Uh, Band in the USA. It was a gold album. He only got like thirty thousand for it, um, and then that he didn't get much of it, much of anything else. You know, And we keep hearing this over and over again. It's horrible. But I'm going to tell you something else. I want to I want to go uh, somewhere else um, uh, about that. We keep hearing this over and over again too. Um, we keep hearing people talking about rituals and the occult. You being in the industry for a long time, did you ever uh, have anybody approach you with anything like that? Man, I got a letter I could show you off camera that I got from Illuminati that scared the shit out of me, man. They were saying shit about me over years. They've been watching me for years. Man, you know, I don't want to go too much, you know, but yeah, I can show you the letter. But, yeah, yeah, I believe that shit's real, too, because I definitely got a letter. I don't know who it's from and who I, and it was about 10 pages, and it was saying all kind of shit that I had no idea how these people know this shit about me. And uh, you're a good person. you done this. You know, and they was telling me about my character like they knew me, and they, you know, it fucked me up. No, I still got the letter, and I read it every now and then. It just keep, keep me in check, but I don't know because I don't think, you know, I don't have fanfare to the fact that somebody be trying to, you know, pull a trick on me or something like that. It, it, I took it serious because it looks real serious. It got the, like, the, the how logo. long ago were you in the, um, I mean, was this like back in the day or was it recent? I got that letter six years ago and I still got it. Ten page letter. Wow, that would creep me out, man. Um, no, it pre- the it freaks I me out, dude. We had people, uh, um, you know what I'm saying, talking about uh, they end up going to, like, parties and stuff, and, and next thing you know, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah, people doing heroin, people doing uh, all kinds yeah, of yeah. sexual crazy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I was, I, I've was i been so private, you know what I'm saying? I was never really the Hollywood type that I got to be famous to put the camera on me. I was My life has always been so private. All I want to do was, you know, uh, 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 make music, get the check, and live my life in, in quietly. So I kind of avoided yeah. that just by by living that kind of lifestyle. But I've always been like that. Like, you know, my, a lot of my family is kind of reticent like that. But uh, And it kind of worked out for me because I, 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 I didn't hear something. Man, I went to a party, me too short. Let me give you a little something. Sorry. I went to a too short party uh, in L.A. You remember the movie uh, "Do Do the Right Thing" with Spike Lee? Yeah, vaguely, back Lee in the day, yeah. I right. remember vaguely. So the whole cast that's in that movie, uh, the stuttering dude, all that, they was having a party at a hotel. Me, Too Short, and our manager, Randy Austin, we at the hotel. Man, I seen man, I, man, I, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna throw nobody under the bus. But man, you're right, man. I seen some shit. I seen. Oh, let's just say. I seen that whole 
let's see, damn near everybody that's in the movie, let's just say that, in that movie, in a circle with chairs in a room with three girls. They passing the girls around. They eating the girls out and all that. The girl taking them in the bathroom, sucking them, knocking them, fucking them off, and knocking them off. And it had to be 50 dudes, right? Three girls. Man, these three girls knocked off all 50 dudes. Ran up out there with a grip. But it's just like, you know, it, it, it was it was good to be able to witness it because it woke me up. Okay, I see this Hollywood shit get real serious behind closed doors, behind the scenes. You don't know what these cats doing. These are the same guys, you know, I'm looking at it in the movie. But these guys are eating these hoes like they know these hoes. You know what I'm saying? They don't know nothing. They, I'm like, man. So, you know, it, 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 I'm sure that it gets real crazy the more elite, uh, higher up you get, especially in the finance department where you figure like wherever you, y'all doing is more private and people going to see what you're doing. But I know I know it gets real crazy out there, man. That was enough just to see that. I say I can just imagine how it gets. Is this a hotel or a mansion or? This was in a hotel, man. A suite, a big, a lavish suite for the the do the right thing uh, staff. You know, the guys in the movie. A lot of guys in the movie. You look at do the right thing. The the main faces. All the main faces is in the movie. He's filming. I mean, they had like Perez and. Bill Nunn was it? Yeah, Bill Nunn was in there. Um, Spike, Spike wasn't in there. Spike was the only one that wasn't in there. Let's just say that Spike wasn't Who in was there. Who was the only one that wasn't in there? Spike wasn't in there. Spike Lee wasn't in there. But everybody else in the movie was sitting around in that chair, that circle. Wow. So you and two short words, guys, like say what the fuck and, and just turn around and leave. I yeah, mean, what we was just your you know we just kicking it like you know we just kicking it like players leaning up against the wall watching the festivities. But we couldn't believe the length that guys was going through, going yeah. through, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, look at this shit here, man. These guys are, man, these guys are really going overboard, man. Yeah, man, that yeah, is crazy, man. It's crazy. But it was yeah, good yeah. to see because the more I said, okay, I see this shit get real out of hand. So I guess, you know, the richer you are, the more private your uh, these sessions be. Ain't no telling what these people be doing behind closed doors. I see it's real freaky shit. So it's crazy in L.A., you know. L.A., you yeah. know, you're in L.A., yeah. man. It, it goes down, yeah. It goes down in L.A. Well, uh, the homie Rico from uh, uh, Sons of Funk, he, uh, they were on No Limit Records, he um, he said he was at Jamie Foxx's house, and Jamie kind of pulled him to the side and warned him, like, hey, man, some of these parties get kind of weird. And he didn't think nothing of it, and a few months later, he ran a big star. He said he was a, a singer of this group. Um, obviously he couldn't name him, but he said that, uh, you know, he took him to that party and when he got there, he wasn't expecting no shit like that, you know, but he was seeing people right. like he saw on TV and in the entertainment industry, like dudes kissing yeah, dudes, man. all kinds of shit. Yeah, man. He, oh, yeah. Sorry, right. but say, me, hey, I got to leave. <laughs> you know, and he got up oh, out yeah, of there. Yeah, 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 man. You know, but yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh. Yeah, but uh, I want to, before I bring on Shannon real quick, I want to go back to that 10-page letter, man. Um, what kind of, you said it was a bunch of stuff about you. Um, was, was it any stuff that was threatening towards you in any way? No, like no, some, they, they, they was actually they was actually praising me, you know what I'm saying, and they're telling me about my character in the past, and a lot of shit was true. Like, And I'm like, how do y'all know this shit, you know what I'm saying? That's that that's that that's the part that, that to this day gets me when I go back and just read the letter, I'm like, 
they telling me about my character and I've been this way and I've done that and I, they know I did this with it. I did this with people. And I'm like, what? Well, is somebody checking up on me? Or, 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 you know, that shit, that shit freaked me out, Scott. I can show you yeah. the letter whenever I see you. I'll let you, I'll let you see it for yourself. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. I'll tell you what. Man, that shit, uh, that shit, that shit is crazy, man. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, man. You, you, you're the type of cat I'd like to smoke one with because uh, the, yeah, the yeah, we definitely sit back, man. Yeah, we definitely yeah, sit I'm, back, man. Bro. You know, and you know, I'm a horticulture. I, I grow. This is what I do. Oh shit! You got you got a strainer. Yeah, yeah. I, I need. I'm trying to get accumulate enough money to get. To, I need a facilities, man, just to be left alone so I can just get my plants yeah. on. I just need somewhere to grow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I, I highly recommend it, man. You know all about it. You know George Clinton. You know them all. Man, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a graduate. Yeah, I graduated from Oaksadam. Mm-hmm. Did you ever – now, everybody tells me uh, Easy had them vacuum lungs, man. Did you ever smoke with Easy? Man, I didn't look. One time – I met – the first time I met Easy was in L.A. I'm at the uh, Arsenio Hall show with George Clinton and MC Breeze, right? And uh, Easy E is there, and uh, we backstage, we hanging out, just laughing and kicking it. And at the end of the show, uh, uh, we going out into the parking lot behind the Arsenio Hall show, and Easy E left his keys, he locked his keys in the car. I can you can see the keys, and it's still in the ignition, but he never he never took them out. So I helped him break into his car, <laughs> and, and we. We actually ended up breaking the window, actually, you know what I'm saying? Because we couldn't really get in. We actually ended up breaking the window to get in, but I helped him do it. Helped Easy e break into his own the car. The second time, second time we had a record release party in downtown Oakland at the Hyatt uh, Regency Hotel, Players Ball. And uh, I'm getting on the elevator, and uh, uh, when the elevator opened, it's Easy e and some girl, and I get on, and I, what's up, Easy Shorty B? He knew who I was. I didn't know he did at the time. I just introduced myself, but he knew who I was, and uh, we dapped up. I rolled down on the elevator with him. He gonna hop with us all night. Yeah. 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 Easy E, uh, hell of a uh, visionary. You know what I'm saying? Man, uh, uh, look, one night in Oakland, they got this club called the White House, right? And I had Michael Hampton with me from the Funkadelic. He was staying with me at the time in Oakland. And I got a call. My homeboy used to work at the White House. He said, man, I got Greg Howe up here tonight. They live. Y'all need to come check them out. And I had just been checking Greg Howe. He's a great, he's a, he's a black guy on guitars. But he like an Yngwie Malmsteen or B-Vi type dude. Are you hip to Greg Howe? No, uh-uh. You not? Yeah, yeah. I'm not familiar. Well, I went up there, and uh, 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 so after the show, I bumped into Shock G, and uh, uh, when I come out the building, Ice Cube is standing out there. All of us went to Shock G house, man, and, and hung out, and uh, I think that's the first time Ice Cube smoked some weed, and uh, <laughs> we hung out at Shock G house. And then I was in the studio with Ice Cube in uh, in L.A., and uh, we was working on that uh, uh, uh Gangsters make the world go round. You remember that song they did for the West Side Connection, I think it was. And uh, uh, I say, Cube, man, I say, man, you mind if I, uh, can I smoke a joint in here? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, I said, you smoke? 
He said, yeah, I smoke a little bit. So I, I say, uh, I threw the weed on the table. He said, uh, man, you're going to have to roll it. I don't know how to roll. And I taught Q how to roll a joint that night. <laughs> he didn't know how to roll. I could believe it. Mr. California. And he didn't know how to roll weed. I thought it was funny. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm going to bring on uh, the homie Sim from France. I know he's got a couple questions for you. Um, what man, hell, of a, hell of a show, man. Hell of a conversation. Uh, Sim, you there, brother? Yes, yes sir. Hi, Scott. Hi, uh, legendary Shorty B. Big um, man, what it do, big dog? Yeah, I'm fine, all right. Um, can you tell us about the, the classic song, uh, uh, Out for the Props, you did for the Dangerous Crew album? Uh, uh, I don't know, man. You hear, if you, if you listen to the front of that song, that's when, uh, you know, the Source magazine was popping. And, you know, you, you used to have to open the Source magazine, and they would uh, rate your albums anywhere from one to five mics or something, right? And uh, you hear me say at the beginning of the Out for the Props, I say, man, I'm reading this shit. Yeah. And uh, they done gave this group uh, 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 four mics, and they, they, say they, they ain't even went gold. I say, hey, we just went platinum. They give us three and a half. I say, who was writing this shit? And, 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 I think that's what inspired that song by by I kept reading the, reading these ratings and we wasn't getting the ratings compared to what our record sales were and they were getting guys that didn't have record sales bigger ratings on the albums and I was, it kind of like it just inspired me to out for the props I guess you out for the props yeah, yeah that that's that's how that song came about that's what inspired me to write that song okay right you wrote yeah for sure. You wrote and produced uh, Terms of the Funky uh, for the album Sons of, of the P of Digital Underground. Can I tell us about this one, Terms of the Funky? Man, that, that that's to this day, man, that's my heart song because if you really just listen to the words of it, it's a, uh, I think it starts as a, uh, Funk is my mother, George is my father. Obsession just created another hopper. Now, I remember back when everything was on the one, cameo, cool in the gang, and couldn't get enough. So I'm just telling the story about bands and music, and most of the, uh, the song, the lyrics to Tales of the Funky are titles of Funkadelic and George Clinton songs. Uh, 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 Stop, Look Up, What He See, The Mothership Landing in D.C., Hey, thank God for Parliament. You know, it's like the whole song is about Parliament Funkadelic, George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic. It was just, uh, you know, because that's my family. Like, you know, I've been around Funkadelic ever since I was um, 15, 14 years old. I've been around George Clinton. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he's been my uncle. He used to spend many nights in my house. You know what I'm saying? So it's like uh, that's my family. So I just wanted to. Being that you know, had I had reached the platinum status as a producer, I just wanted to do a tribute to to uh, uh, everything that was responsible for me being where I was at. You know, because I got all I got all the funk from Funkadelic. You know, what I'm saying like I say, like Eddie Hazel was my uncle, basically, and Michael Hampton is my best friend to this day. So you know, what I'm saying I got it honestly, I, I must say, you know, but it's. I guess, you know, it's the best way I can put that. Yeah, so, I don't know. I didn't, yeah, I, sure. You know, I just don't know any other way to explain it. Yeah. 
How came the idea of the, of the cover of uh, Don't Try This at Home? It was maybe someone who got the idea, or it was Short Dog, or... Uh, 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 oh, 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 uh, uh, don't try this at home. Um, yeah. Let me see. Uh, how did we come up with that? Uh, uh, I forgot. Somebody drew the album cover. Uh, drew, uh, drew the album cover. And we kind of all put uh, these little comments me between me, Short, and Randy, Austin, and Bank. We, uh, we, you know, made a little comment. But uh, somebody, I can't remember uh, who actually drew the album cover. But I have that tattoo on my arm. The album cover is on my arm. The Dangerous Square album cover oh, is on my left arm. Mm-hmm. I have the album cover on my arm, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the Dogs. How it was to work with him in the, in the lab? Andbanks. Oh, Andbanks, yeah. That's, uh, you know, uh, yeah. that's my little big homie. Uh, it's like you, you feel... Um, you know, you feel secure with Ann Banks because, you know, uh, uh, with Ann Banks, you know, uh, whatever we started out to do is going to be completed. You know, he's a, he mixes real good. He's got a very good ear for drums. And uh, 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 and Banks, you know, he's, you definitely want Banks on your team. You know what I'm saying? He's definitely a, a board head. He's, he's a studio head. So, you know, it's like uh, – I, I remember we used to take songs and uh, Banks would mix them. We all go out to our car and put the uh, CD in the car or the tape at the time and listen to it, listen to the mix in our car because all of us had, uh, you know, those million-dollar sound systems in our cars at the time. So we that's how we would judge the song. We would mix it and go out and put it in our car. So we'd hear what everybody else going to hear when they ride it in their car. And we would, uh, uh, that's how we would actually tighten up our mixes. And Banks was really good at that, and uh, uh, he's really good. At that. He has a really good ear. He's a very good engineer and a very good mixer. And I tip my hat to Mr. Ann Banks, uh, my little homie, uh, for the job that he does because you know he's got his own sound. You know what I'm saying? He has a very good ear, so it's yeah, working. Sure. It was really good working with Ann Banks. I just talked to Banks about a month ago. Man, Jordy, do me a favor. Talk to him, man. Tell him to come on the show. I've been getting at him for about eight years. <laughs> okay, I, I call Banks in the morning. I call Banks after church tomorrow, and I do what I can to put you all together. Oh, that's what's up, man. I appreciate so you can, that. So you can interview him or whatever you want to do, but I'm just going to release him. I'm going to put you all together. I'll call him tomorrow to get him for church. Yeah, because he's, he's another unsung, uh, you know what I'm saying, a guy from that era, too, who doesn't really get his props. I mean, uh, if you know hip hop, everybody and, of course you know Pee-wee who Ann Banks know, is. You know, Pee Wee is a phenomenal musician. Pee Wee plays yeah. everything, like myself. Is yeah, he I still around? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I talked to Pee Wee. Uh, yeah, they both in the Bay Area. I get, I get you Pee Wee's number two. He's a very good musician. I mean, he is very accomplished. Pee Wee plays jazz. Pee Wee plays a little bit of everything. Man. Yeah, you might guess Pee Wee at a in a, at an old bar somewhere with a trio, you know, playing some old jazz or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man, uh, hell of an interview. Before we do get out of here, uh, do you have anything coming up that um, we can look forward to? Or? Yeah, man, I I, I, don't, I got a, uh, I, I just recorded, I recorded a single and I recorded a, uh, a video 
and they, I put it online. I did a song called Win, 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 and I was just about to release it, and the COVID, vi- the COVID hit about uh, three weeks before we was about to release it. So I didn't release it, and I'm glad I didn't. So we're going to put that out this summer, early, I mean, this spring or this summer. And uh, But you can go on, I did, uh, you can go on YouTube and my webpage, uh, Don Boss E-N-T, uh, D-O-N-B-O-S-S-E-N-T, on YouTube or .com. But on YouTube, go to the uh, Don Boss E-N-T, and there you'll see a, a tribute I did for Kobe Bryant of the song I, I did. I'm playing everything. I did a killer guitar solo on that, too. Y'all got to hear it. And the name of the song is called Win, Win, Win. And I got a, a, I got a tribute to Kobe Bryant with the song. But I was about to put the video of me uh, performing the song live, but the Kobe virus, virus you know, kicked in. So we're going to put that out. We're about to shoot the video again now and uh, put it out again. But it's, I got, you want to hear the song, you go to YouTube. It's called uh, Win, Win, Win. And uh, uh, the real, no, no, I'm sorry, punching the real Shorty B. On YouTube, right, right. The real shorty B right, on YouTube, and uh, you hear the song "Win, Win, Win." I think you guys will like it, man. It's all it's all live and playing everything, and I think if anything that you liked about my playing in the past, you're gonna love this song. Well, we definitely, uh, we definitely want to have you back on again in the future, brother. Uh, you know, what I'm saying we'll, we'll we'll play it in the spring when you uh, when you drop it, and uh, thank yeah. you so much. For, uh, coming on, we're gonna leave out here, man. We're gonna let him hear this guitar solo. Don't try this at home, man. This is a, a, a classic. Uh, as we get out of here, man. Thank you, Shorty B. You stay safe, my brother, and I'll talk to you real soon. Okay, man. Don't try Shorty this B. at home. Shorty Shorty B. Right. Dangerous crew. Got funky on this one, man. Don't try this at home. To all you listeners out there, but uh, before we go, we're gonna hit y'all with this Ebony Stone, this Black Rock, something that uh. Everybody ain't gonna be able to get with, but uh, Shorty B. Yeah, let me grab my strat, man. Show these niggas yeah. they can't do this shit at home, man. Yeah. <laughs> 